We're fully listener supported, which means that we can't do the work that we're doing unless we have your support. Please pray about becoming a monthly partner to this ministry. We are affecting the lives of many people by the grace of God. And in order for us to expand or even to stay doing what we're doing, we need your help. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering to become a partner. We truly appreciate you and bless you in Jesus' name. Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. You know, we're fully listener supported, which means that we can't do the work that we're doing unless we have your support. Please pray about becoming a monthly partner to this ministry. We are affecting the lives of many people by the grace of God. And in order for us to expand or even to stay doing what we're doing, we need your help. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering to become a partner. We truly appreciate you and bless you in Jesus' name. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am so excited to have uh, a very sound teacher, man of God. I know you've probably heard of him. Uh, Rick Renner is uh, just uh, somebody in this hour that is putting out so much good information. If you don't follow him, you need to. It is the best teaching on just about any subject biblically that you can you can think of. Uh, I watch his videos often and always get inspired, especially when I'm in my prayer time and I, I just want to hear a word from the Lord. I turn on Rick sometimes mm. and I just thank God for his ministry. And so we are so honored to have you on today. Rick, welcome back. I am so glad to be with you. And Todd, I watch you. I watch you on Facebook. Oh, well, and, thank and you. And I really, I really enjoy what you're doing so much. Thank you for having me as a guest. Well, that just means so much. And as we were talking offline, you know, just the Lord is connecting uh, his remnant warriors in this hour, people that have a heart for him. And uh, we're not done. We're not finished. God is still moving. And you just got back from an exciting trip. And I really want to dive into this. You have uh, found Noah's Ark. And, uh, you know, this is something that people have been talking about for many, many years. But you have insight that I have not heard anywhere else. And so I'm just so excited to get into this discussion. Uh, why don't we just start from the top? Uh, how did this well, all well, begin? Yeah, break it down for us. First of all, I did not find it, but I've been there. <laughs> okay. It was it was actually documented for thousands of years. I just did a whole series that you would love called Fallen Angels, Giants, Monsters in the World Before the Flood. Yes. So to teach that series, I decided that I was going to go to the ark. And in 1959, there was a big earthquake. And suddenly this object appeared that had been covered by mud. Well, for thousands of years, people had taken the Silk Road, which was just located right. above where the ark is, and had gone down to see it, and then it disappeared. Well, the ark was re-exposed because of this earthquake, and people have been looking for it on the peak of Mount Ararat. It's not there. And mm. the Bible doesn't even say that. It says it landed in the mountains of Ararat. And this is a lower mountain called Mount Judy, which means the place of the landing. That's what wow. the mountain means. Come on. And there is this massive ship-shaped formation, exactly the dimensions of Noah's ark, and now the scientists are all coming out. They just had a big symposium in Turkey, and they're all affirming that it really is the ruins of Noah's Ark. Wow. And Alan, I mean, uh, Todd, when you see it from the top, I mean, it is unmistakably a ship. And right. There's something else really cool there that most people don't know. There's a Kurdish village there, and the Kurds have lived there for thousands of years. Right. And the Kurds took me to a massive stone right at the top of the mountain where the Ark first landed. 
Hmm. And the top of that stone, there is a channel that's been cut all the way across the top of it. It is a blood channel. That is the stone where Noah offered his first sacrifice Whoa. when he came out of the ark. It is amazing, Todd. Wow. To stand there on that stone and realize this is where it happened. And this is where the rainbow first appeared overhead. I mean, it's just stunning. And there's something else. In the valley below are massive, massive stones, which are called drogue stones. Well, a drogue stone looks like an anchor. And in the ancient world, they used them to balance ships in bad weather. You can find them today on the Nile. You can find them in the Mediterranean, but nowhere the size of these. Each one of these stones are nearly the size of an automobile. Wow. They've got a hole cut in the top, which was for the rope, so the stone could hang from the sides on both sides of the ship to balance the ship in rough weather. Well, there's never been rougher weather than the flood. Right. And so those stones had to be massive. And so they have found 26 of them in the floodplain just below where the ark landed. And what's really interesting is if you follow those stones, you can see that as the ship began to slow, Noah and his sons began to cut them. And by following those stones, you can literally follow the path of the ship as it turned and finally landed on Mount Judy. Is that amazing? That is so amazing. What I find more it, it, amazing is truly should be, amazing. I mean, when you're when you're talking about, it, I just my question is, why isn't this like worldwide news right now? Is are they are they suppressing it, or people just don't want to hear about what? It, it just baffles me. Well, do you want to know the truth? Please. So much money has been invested by people who thought it was on Mount Ararat that for them to say it's over there is kind of like an embarrassing thing. Got it. Got I mean, it. people have invested millions of dollars climbing Mount Ararat, but here's the problem. Now there's global warming. So in the summer, there's almost no snow there. There are thousands of mountain climbers now climbing Mount Ararat from every direction. Plus there's now great satellite technology if there was an ark on Mount Ararat, it would have been found a long time ago. <laughs> it is right. not there. Wow. And the reason it's not there is because it's over there. That's and you right. can go there and you can walk all over the thing. And it's just amazing. I did about 50 introductions to TV programs standing on the bow of the ship. Wow. And you and it's a it's a ship that is encased in mud. Right. And something else interesting is in the cliffs just above where the ark is, is an ancient settlement that is probably about 5,000 years old, which would date to the time of the flood. Right. And it is Mishah. And Mishah is identified in Genesis chapter 10, verse 30, as the first settlement built by Noah and his sons after mm. the flood. Wow. But as the water began to go down, you could kind of follow their movement because they went from the top and they began to go down into the valley and down in the bottom of the valley is a little village, an ancient, ancient village. And the name of the village is the village of eight. That's the name of the village. And during the Byzantine period, about the fourth or fifth century, the Byzantines built a church on top of the site, which they said was Noah's home where he was a vine dresser in the valley. Wow. And the ruins of that are still there. And just beyond that, there is a rock wall which goes all around the base of a mountain, like for some reason it's been blocked off and you're not supposed to go there. And just beyond it is another big stone. And this is where Noah offered sacrifices from his home in the valley. And just like Mount Horeb could not be touched, 
they blocked it off as a holy sanctuary dedicated to the Lord, and that's where Noah and his family would go to make sacrifices. Mm. And if that is the house of Noah, then the events we read about in Genesis chapter 9, whenever Ham uncovered the nakedness of his father, it all happened right there. The King James Version says it happened in his dwelling. Everybody thinks it's a tent. It wasn't a tent. It was a house. He had a house. Mm. And right. it's, all, it's all there. It's all there, Todd. That's so exciting. So anybody could then go and visit this if they wanted to. It's open to if, the public. And, yeah. If, if you've got the guts to fly to Eastern Turkey and to <laughs> rent a guide, and I could recommend the best guide of all. His name is Andrew Jones. He is fabulous. He's been there for 20 years. He's the leading researcher of the site. By the way, scientists have now done ERT scans, ground-penetrating radar, and in that big object on the side of the hill, there are three floors, there are multiple, multiple rooms. It is a man-made object. That's And amazing. the ground-penetrating radar even shows the bottom hull of the ship. It, it is a floating object in mud. The whole side of that mountain is mud, right. which is left over from the flood. Right. And when it, when it rains, that mud moves, but that object, it is an independent object just sitting in that mud field. Right. And, you know, when I was there, I was thinking about Jesus' words in Matthew 24, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah. Yes. So it will be before the coming of the Son of Man. Well, if you look back to what preceded the flood and why God sent the flood, there was really nefarious activity taking That's place. Right. That's right. We know that angels were coming down into the planet. They were sleeping with women. The women were giving birth to giants. Yep. We even know how the how the giants behaved because of early documentation. They were cannibals. They ate everything that man could produce. And when that wasn't enough, they began to eat people. Then the giants mm. begin to turn on each other. And that's why Genesis chapter 6 says the world was filled with violence through them. And God said, I'm going to destroy the earth because of them. Right. And God's purpose really was not to judge, but it was to cleanse. Yes. He was to cleanse. And something else really amazing, Todd, is the Garden of Eden was located in the Uratu Kingdom. That's where the ancient Uratu Kingdom is. Well, the word Uratu is where we get the word Ararat. Wow. Which means when the ark landed, it landed in the same place where man first began. Oh, wow. And just like God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. When Noah and his family landed, what did God say? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. I'm going to give you a second chance. And he brought man back to the starting place to begin all over again. Mm. And that's what God does with us when we mess up. That's right. He brings us back to that place and says, okay, let's go for it again. What a story of redemption. Yes. And we are we are nearing that end of that story. We're in, the, I believe, the birth pangs. You said last time, the end of the end times. And I believe that. Uh, there's a common question that I get when it comes to the giants, and I know you wrote on this. What's the difference between the watchers and the giants, or is there any difference, the Nephilim and the Rephilim? What, what are the differences there? Well, you get this from the book of Enoch, and now part of the book of Enoch is written later. Part of it was really written before the flood, which means Noah carried it onto the ark. Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. And so when you come to Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, Noah being warned of God of things to come. I'm sure that Noah himself heard from God, but he also had a very prophetic family. His great-great-great-grandfather was Jared, 
Jared's name means shall come down. And it was during Jared's life that the angels, the watchers, whom God had set in the world to help man in his fallen state, they begin to lust after women. And during Jared's day, and his name means come down, they begin to really come down in big numbers and cohabitate with women. He gave birth to Enoch. Enoch's name means teacher or corrector. Enoch tried to bring correction to the situation. Then Enoch gave birth to Methuselah. All these names are prophetic. Right. Methuselah means when he dies, then the judgment will come. Methuselah gave birth to a son named Lamech. Lamech's name means lamentation. During his time, this nefarious activity with fallen angels and women became so bad that people were just in a state of lamentation. He gave birth to a son named Noah, whose name means rest or comfort, and it was a prophetic declaration that during Noah's life there would be a reprieve from this horrible activity. So this had been going on for generations. And these watchers, these fallen angels, who are referred to by Peter and by Jude, came into the earth's atmosphere. They began to cohabitate with women. The women became pregnant. They gave birth to giants. And an early document says they also slept with animals, which hmm. explains why there were monsters in the ancient world. And if you look at Sumerian culture, Babylonian culture, Egyptian, just on down the line, all of those cultures have the same monstrous creatures, just with different names. Wow. And all of these stories originated in one place. They originated with the kids of Noah. Mm. When they came off that ark, they knew all of this. They knew about the angels that came down, and today it's called ancient aliens. Yes. Oh, the ancient come aliens. On. No, yep. no, 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 no. There's, it's no ancient aliens. It was fallen angels. And they came down, produced all this mess, and then finally everybody ended up in Babylon, Tower of Babel, and whenever God confused the languages and people began to spread, they began to carry the bare bones of that story across the face of the planet. And then the stories begin to be corrupted as they moved. But if you follow all those mythological stories, they all go back to the same bare bones. It all started in Genesis chapter 6. Now the Nephilim, the word Nephilim is from the Hebrew word nephal, which means to fall. Right. And there are several possible meanings. First of all, it was a corrupted race. It was a hybrid creature. Secondly, they fell on people and attacked them. And scholars also say that their name may describe the reaction of people who saw them because people who saw them just collapsed. Wow. And, and these were just horrible, horrible creatures, but not just the Nephilim, not just the giants. There were also monsters in those days, which no longer exist. Mm. Anyway. And the Bible says <laughs> so interesting. in Genesis 6, verse 4, that they appeared before the flood and after that. And that yes. is why whenever the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, they were commanded to kill the children of Anak, which come from the Nephilim. That's what the Bible says. Wow. So the Nephilim reappeared, and it seems the only way they could have reappeared is if there was a second category of angels who fell into sin. Mm. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be before the coming of the Son of Man, which implies there's going to be transhumanism and trans all kinds of things, yep. hybrid beings created at the end of the age just before the coming of Jesus. And I think this has to do with transhumanism. Yep. I think it has to do with transgenders. I think it is all a demonic brood which is being concocted 
just like it was before the days of the flood. So that's kind of a wrap up of your question. That, that's a great answer. And I think that just sheds so much light on this subject. You know, as I think about what you said, it will be like the days of Noah and all the transhumanism that they're talking about now, the World Economic Forum, their agenda, uh, UN Agenda 2030, all these things that they're now rolling out. Now, I heard a story and I just want to pick your brain. And if you never heard of it, you don't even have to go there. But somebody said they found during the Gulf War, one of the Iraqi wars that they were in that part of the world and they found giants. Uh, have you heard? I, I, I saw that. I saw that, too. Yeah. I mean, do you, th- do you believe that? Do you think that was true or? I have no idea. <laughs> it's so I interesting no to me. Um, so, wow. I mean, OK, so let's let's kind of put this together now. Uh, we're, we're nearing the end of the age. It's going to be like the days of Noah. What do you uh, foresee us to expect in the coming years? What are you what are you sensing in your spirit? I think it has only begun to get bizarre before this thing is finished. We're going to sail into the craziest waters. It's beyond our imagination. I think we're going to see bestiality. We're going to see marriages to animals. Wow. I think it's just around the corner. Every, mm. The genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy is here and crazy is here to stay. And yeah. this is the reason why the church is so necessary right now. But you know what, Todd? Noah floated on the waters of destruction. Yeah. And those waters, the Bible tells us, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 17, it bare the ark up and lifted it up above the earth. And if we listen to the Lord and if we abide in Christ, who is our ark of safety, even if the world is sinking around us, I prophesy, we will just rise higher and higher and higher and higher in the end of the age. Yes. The yes. world is losing its mind. So if you just keep your head on straight, you're already leagues ahead of the rest of the game. Right. I agree. hundred percent. Can, can I tell you something else since we're Please. talking about Noah? Yes. Noah had three sons. One of them was named Jephthah. Okay. Jephthah, after the flood, settled in what is called Turkey. He had multiple sons. One of his sons was named Magog. One of his sons was named Meshach. And one of his sons was named Tubal. Well, these names are pretty prominent with people who teach end-time prophecy. Right. Meshach, Tubal, uh, Magog. Well, that, those were the three names of Noah's grandboys. Mm. And we know exactly where they lived. So if you know where Noah's grandkids lived, then you know where Magog is. You know where Meshach is. You know where Tubal is. It is not Moscow. It is not Tobolsk in Siberia. It is not Russia. It is central Turkey. That's wow. where they lived. Wow. And I was just in Turkey three weeks ago, and guess what I saw? I think? said to my guide that I've been working with for 20 years, but he's a Muslim, so I never brought this up before, but I decided to ask him a question. Yeah. I said, have you ever heard of Gog? He said, what are you talking about? Of course. <laughs> he said, Gog ruled right here. He was a <laughs> contemporary of Ezekiel. He said, in fact, Rick, we're going to go back. We're going to drive right back to his grave in just a few minutes. He says, you've driven by it many times. And I never knew it. So he pulled the car over, and there is the grave of Gog. This is not a fictional character. Right. He's a real character who interrupted the Lydian kingdom, started his own dynasty. He was a raider, and he raided Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. And so when Ezekiel says, Gog, prince of... Magog, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. It's talking about central Turkey. Mm. And Gog was a real individual. 
Yes. And so based on that, just history alone and maps, ancient maps. Right. Bible talks about Magog, it's talking about Turkey. Mm. And there's going to be a leader in the end of days like that Gog who's going to rise up and his evil thoughts going to come into his mind to invade Israel. Yeah. But that's also connected to Noah because Magog was the grandson of Noah. It, yeah. it, isn't that amazing? Well, it is amazing. And what's more amazing is I've heard a lot of teaching that's different than this from an eschatology standpoint. I mean, even, you know, we talked about where the ark is, There's a lot of teaching that's saying it's, you know, not where you're saying. And then uh, as far as Magog and Gog, you know, a lot of pointing to Russia and this alliance with Russia and China. And so it's interesting as we look at what's in the news, even right now, how there's been uh, the forming of what could be to come in some type of war between, uh, you know, Gog and Magog and Israel. Uh, do you foresee that as something in the future? Because I know some people say that that's already happened. What do you think about that? I don't know. The, the Ezekiel 38 war has not taken place. It's right. still in front of us. And in fact, we might be feeling the tremors of it right now. Yes. This might be the warm up to that event. Yes. But Todd, you know, it's important that we use our minds. Right. And I have a lot of very famous friends who teach prophecy, and I love them, and I love what they teach. But when it comes to Magog, they are wrong. Right. Mm. This is not just my idea. All you have to do is search the ancient sources. It is clearly identified that Magog is central Turkey. Right. And yeah. so I just want to encourage your viewers to dig deep. Okay. Dig deep. Go for the gold, because the gold is there to be found. That's right. And we need to dig deep in today's world where there's so much information, misinformation, disinformation. I wanted to just ask you this question, two questions, actually, before we got to go. Uh, hearing from the Lord, how how if somebody's a newer believer or maybe they've been in the Lord for many years, but they don't know how to hear from the Lord, because what you just said is so important. We have to do our own research. Uh, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. What would you recommend to somebody that says, I, I just don't know if it's God or I don't know how to hear from God? Well, I'd say, first of all, read your Bible. That's the clearest way to hear from God. And if, if a person is not disciplined enough to open their Bible, but yet they want to hear God out here, well, the answer they're seeking is probably right in front of them. And I have found that as you begin to read the Bible, that's really when the Holy Spirit begins to speak. When I read the Bible, I begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He begins to talk to me about this and this. He begins to give me direction. That's very important. Number two, you need to pray in tongues. Mm. When you pray in tongues, you sensitize your spirit to hear things spiritually. Number three, you need to go to a church where the word of God is preached. That's right. And when the word, you said under the anointing, it opens you up to spiritual things. And number four, you need to have really strong spiritual authoritative voices that speak into your life because God may speak to you through them. Yes. I don't always hear from the Lord by myself. Sometimes so God speaks to me through my team. And that's just as significant as God speaking to me. Yes. God speaks to us in a sundry of ways. That's right. But those four things are really important, Todd. So important. Last question. How does somebody get better discernment? Because there's a lot of deception out there. What would you recommend for somebody that says, I want to know, but I don't know how? Well, we're told in Hebrews chapter five, that when you're exercised by the word of God, it gives you the ability to discern what is right and wrong. Now, Discernment's real easy for me. You know why? Because the Word of God works in me. Yeah. I can recognize what's right. I can recognize what's wrong. I don't usually have to pray about it because I'm so exercised by the Word of God. 
And it's interesting, that word exercised in Hebrews chapter 4 is the Greek word gumnadzo. It describes a, an athlete in the gym working out. And when you really bend your brain to the Word of God, it renews your mind. By the way, there's a plasticity to your mind. You reshape your mind. Your mind begins to think differently because now you have an enlightened mind. You begin to hear things differently. You begin to see things differently. That's the best way to develop discernment. And be careful that you don't watch a bunch of nonsense on YouTube. YouTube is just filled with a bunch of silly stuff. It's right. You need to watch people like Todd. Mm, mm, amen. And and like Rick Renner, and you have an amazing ministry. Why don't you break down to folks how they can get your teachings and follow you and all that good stuff. Just go to Renner.org. That's it. Yep. Renner.org. That's, that's the best right way below. to do it. Yeah, we'll put it below as well. And I will tell you, there's never been, and I can't say this about many preachers out there's never been a time when I've tuned in to Rick Renner that I haven't got something powerful from the Lord. Thank I know you. you're a man of prayer, and I love your emphasis on the Word of God and truth and righteousness. And so thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your family. How can we be praying for you, sir? Oh, just I've got two books I have to write before the end of December, and they're both really substantial books, and I'm just getting started. So Altogether, it's probably a thousand pages of writing. So I've got about 40 days to do it, 30 days to do it, but I can do it. But yes. Pray, pray for me to get it done. I'd okay. appreciate that. We absolutely will. Before we go, would you mind praying for the audience, Rick, and just sharing your heart with them? I will. I want to encourage you really to open your Bible. I said you can go for the gold, and there's gold to be found. There really is. And in Psalm 119, David prayed. He said, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law. I pray that prayer almost every day. When you open your Bibles, just say, God, open my eyes to see wondrous things, and he'll show you. And Father, I pray for the people that are with Todd, that follow Todd. First of all, I thank you for Todd. I thank you for the solidness of his ministry and what he's bringing to people. And Father, I pray for the people who follow his ministry, that they'll strike gold. And Lord, I pray that it will change their lives in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Always an amazing time. Very, very amazing information. God is revealing in this late hour everything that was in the scripture that it's just validation, validation. And so now is the time. If your life is not right with the Lord, do it today. Make a commitment. Give your heart to him. If you've strayed, come back to him. The hour is late, but the good news, like Rick said, is he's with us until the end of the age. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he tells us to occupy until he comes. We will Amen. be back. This is the Todd Coconato Show. God bless you. Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. You know, we're fully listener supported, which means that we can't do the work that we're doing unless we have your support. Please pray about becoming a monthly partner to this ministry. We are affecting the lives of many people by the grace of God. And in order for us to expand or even to stay doing what we're doing, we need your help. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering to become a partner. We truly appreciate you and bless you in Jesus name.